Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. of the idea, the main idea behind this whole series was the definition of one hit wonder is simply this. It's defined as a band or singer while during any time in their existence has only one song achieved the hit status after which they fizzle out and disappear, never following up with their initial success. And our goal is, how do you and I not become a one hit wonder in aspects, in, in areas of our life? Because we have seen people, we have seen individuals that have been really great for a season of life and then they just fizzle out and then they never get back to that place where they were just killing it and they were just owning it. And Paul said this, and this has been our key verse for this whole series in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And today, in our last week of this, I want to talk to you about relationships today. And not just friendships, but I'm talking about romantic relationships. For all of you singles, this is going to be super applicable for you. For all of you dating, engaged, married, wherever you are, maybe you're single and you're not even looking. Listen. Listen up and tune in. Because what I know about you and me, whether we're in a relationship or whether we're not, this is one of those areas of our life We don't want to be a one-hit wonder, right? We don't want to fizzle out. We don't want the best time of our relationship, the best time of our marriage to be behind us and us never get to that place and that moment. Because here's the truth. You and I have seen couples, and you know couples who started out so great, and you're like, man, they're so good. What happened to them? What, 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 what went wrong? How did they fizzle out? And it reminds me of a guy who went to the Super Bowl. The stadium was packed, so it's pre-COVID, right? Um, the stadium was packed, but the seat next to him sat empty, and the man behind him questioned, questioned him about the empty seat. He answered, the seat was for my wife. She would have been here, but she died. The other man offered his condolences and asked him if he didn't have a friend that could have asked to come with him rather than let the seat remain empty. And the man replied, I do, but all my friends said they wanted to go to the funeral instead. Um, And I think, (laughs) and I think, (laughs) how do you not become that guy, right? That's, (laughs) don't be that guy. And that's, that's the whole goal is that we don't become that guy 
we don't become that girl, right? Like that we're not that person when it comes to our relationships. So whether you are single, whether you're dating, married, everybody breathe, we're going to relax. We're going to have a great time today because I want to talk to you about love and bacon, love and bacon. Um, And how can you not have fun talking about bacon in church? But here's the truth is bacon... (laughs) I, like I, it's so weird. Some of the people are like, "How? How? How is this what you're possibly preaching today?" Um, I had to have my notes kind of ready on Tuesday. I was talking to Casey about it. And I'm like, "Man, it just doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right." Woke up Wednesday morning, had my devo, and God just said bacon, and I was like, "There it is. There, it's there." That's the sermon. That's how we do this today. So I want to talk to you about the truths that bacon show us. So the first point is this, and this is for all my singles, all my dating, all this. Don't underestimate picking the right bacon. Don't underestimate, and I think all of us can get behind this point, whether you know where I'm going or not, right? Like, even if it's not biblical right now, you're like, yes. Um, Don't underestimate picking the right bacon. Let's just be shallow here for a second. Life's too short for cheap bacon, amen? Like, like, no, upgrade your life for a dollar or two and get good bacon. Like, if you're still buying Bar S bacon or like Cornwell or whatever they call it that my Mima bought, like, I love my Mima, but she bought cheap bacon. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, upgrade and buy you some right bacon, like W-R-I-G-H-T bacon, like right bacon is fantastic. And, and here's the truth of it, is that no matter how they try to package cheap bacon, Thin bacon's thin bacon. It's not good, right? And the place to find out whether that thin bacon is good or whether the bacon's going to be good is not when you get home and put it in a pan. This Because it's just going to shrink up and shrivel up. Bad bacon's going to taste like bad bacon. Somebody's like, well, I'd rather have ba- ba- bad bacon than no bacon at all. Bull. Um, <laughs> no. If I'm going to clog my arteries, it's going to be worth it, dadgummit, right? Like, let's, let's own this moment. And, and just a little side fact here, turkey bacon's not real bacon. It should be called turkey strips because it doesn't, you don't call pork bacon pork bacon, you call it bacon. Like, it's called turkey strips from now on. Here, and, and, and I eat turkey bacon, right? I, but somebody's going to come up to me like, but Justin, you have to try my turkey bacon, I swear. No, I don't have to. It doesn't. <laughs> Here's the reality of turkey bacon is that turkey bacon's trying to impersonate something it will never be. And some of you are dating people that are impersonating something they'll never be. Right? And some of you have settled for somebody You have no business dating because God has somebody so much better intended for you. And you've got to understand, life's too short for you to settle for something less than what your heavenly Father intended for you to have. Now, we know the verse that Paul shares about this. He says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And we know this, and we kind of like glide over it. Yeah, I know what it says, Justin, but I don't see the big consequences, the big deal, blah, 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 blah. Well, let's go back to the Old Testament in Judges chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, it contains a story about a guy you know, I know, named Samson. And Samson is a great guy. Well, Samson has issues. Let's just go that way. I think he's got great intentions, but he was definitely a one-hit wonder in a lot of aspects. And Samson, his downfall was not Delilah. His dysfunction happened way before Delilah, if you'll read a story. He had problems being a good picker. 
He picked the wrong bacon every time. I mean, he went for bar S every time. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And so verse one through three out of Judges 14, it says this one. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected, isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. So, so here's what happens. I'm, I'm kind of give you the, the lowdown here for just a second. We're going to do the Justin Graves version of the Bible. They set the the wedding up, they're getting ready to get married, and Samson makes a bet with all the villagers of the Philistines that he can't figure out his riddle. And so he tells the the villagers this riddle, the men of the the village can't figure it out. They go to Samson's uh, to-be wife and like, tell us this or we're going to kill you and your family. So she begs Samson for the answer. She goes and tells the villagers the answer to the riddle, and this is where we pick up in verse 18. So she's broken Samson's trust, right? She, like, Samson's getting ready to have to pay out. And so here's it, here it is, verse 18. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. They know the answer. What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And Samson replied, okay, so this is the first, <laughs> this is the first argument. They're not even married, right? They're dating. They're, they're engaged right now. And this is how it just goes. Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, he's not talking about his cow. <laughs> he's talking about his lady, right? If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. And Samson leaves, he, he pays them, he leaves. Um, the, the dad of the, the bride gives the bride to his best man. How messed up is that, right? That's like watching Pearl Harbor again, like the movie, and being like, how can you marry? Anyways, um, still have issues with that. But um, like, totally messed up. He comes back, he gets mad, and there's this whole fight, and you need to read the Bible. That's what you need to know. Um, but, but here's the deal. What happened is Samson decided to settle for what looked good instead of what was good. And there's a big difference for a lot of us to, in what looks good to us and what is actually good for us. And if you're single in this place, hear me. This, this is key. To know whether you are ready to start dating or not, whether you're ready to be in a relationship or not, you need to understand how that person should operate and function with your life. That person that God has for you is not meant to complete you, but to complement you. They're not meant to complete your life, but to complement your life. And until you're good with just you and Jesus, you got no business being with you and Ethel, right? You got no business being with you and someone else. You need to make sure you are good on your own because until you are good on your own, you won't be good because of someone else. It will be a dysfunctional relationship. And for you that are single and you that are dating, And you that are engaged, because the rules become different once you become married, right? For all of you, hear me, you better be picky. Be picky. 
And don't apologize for being picky. Have standards and don't compromise on that standards because life is too short for cheap bacon. Life is too short to compromise in this area because I tell you this, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, marriage is hard with the right person, right? With the God person. Marriage is sometimes hard and sometimes difficult, much less trying to do life with somebody God never intended you to be in a relationship with. Why did Samson find and, and settle with this girl? Because Samson found the wrong girl because he was hanging out in the wrong places. And some of us were like, well, I can't find a Christian guy that, that isn't psycho, right, to, to date, that's not, doesn't look like a cow's butt. Like, I need something here, Justin. Like, I'm like, yeah, that, I get it. I get, or, or the guys are like, I can't find a girl that I'm attracted to that isn't controlling and nagging and, and that's actually a Christian. And here's what I would tell you. You're never going to find the right guy or the right girl looking in the wrong places, you're not, flesh this out a little bit more. You're not, you're not going to find the right guy and the wrong girl, a right girl looking on Tinder. Just keep swiping because you're not there. <laughs> right? Going to the bars. Well, maybe I'll find my girl here, right? She's twirling from a pole. That's not it. That's, that's not, <laughs> it's not the one. That's a wrong bacon. And here's what I tell you. Second thing is this. Don't try to sell me on turkey. Right? Turkey's turkey. And some of you are trying to, to tell people the person you are dating is somebody different than who they are. And if you're already having to make excuses for who you're dating, if you're already may, having to make excuses for how they are behaving and how they are conducting themselves, let me tell you this. In the most simple, plain English I can, they ain't it. Right? They're just not it. If you're having to cover up what you're doing as a couple, that's not it. There's a better way. There's a better way. And hear me, I'm not saying this because I want to keep you from enjoying bacon in your life. I'm not saying this because I want to keep you from love. I want to keep you from, but it looks good and it feels good and all this stuff. There's a better way for you to do this for you to do relationships and you to experience romance and for it to be great. And if you will do it his way, what I can promise you is that you won't fizzle out, right? It won't just be great during the dating life and once you get married, you're like, what, what happened? But if you will be picky and if you'll keep your standards and if you'll keep doing it God's way, it's a way better way of doing it. So let me give you some homework. For all of you that are single, for all you are dating, go ahead, get your pen out, get your phone out. Here's my homework for you. First thing is this. Do you have standards for who you're going to be dating? Do you have standards for who you will date? What's the standards? What's the requirements? What's the qualifications, right? Because here's what I know. If you don't know, you'll settle for anything. If you don't have some standards, you'll settle for anything. So let me give you your first one. You better know that they love Jesus. It's not just good enough to be a good guy or a good girl. God hasn't called you to date a good guy or a good girl. He's called you to, to date and to fall in love with somebody who loves him first. 
right? And so to, are they a follower of Christ? Well, Justin, that sounds so judgmental. How will I know? It's very simple. Jesus says this, you will know a tree by the fruit that it bears, right? Apple trees produces apples. Orange trees produces oranges. I think you know where I'm going now. Like you're like, oh, that's how it works, right? Yeah. And, and so understand, a Christian's going to produce the fruit of the Spirit in their life. Not just when your parents are looking, but when you're in the car alone too. Right? So what are your qualifications? And the second thing is this, for those of you that are dating, is who you are dating, who you should be dating. Have some honest conversations. Are they the real thing? And am I having to excuse they who, excuse who they are or what they are doing. Second thing the bacon shows us is this, is that you are responsible for turning on the flame and keeping it hot, right? When it comes to cooking bacon, if I'm the one cooking, I'm usually the bacon cooker in our house. I am the one that is responsible for turning on the stove and keeping it hot, keeping it at the temperature I need it to be at. I don't depend on Casey to do that. I understand that is my responsibility. And as somebody that is in a relationship, let me tell each spouse in here, you are the keeper of the flame. You have to be responsible for keeping the flame on, keeping the fire on, and keeping it sizzling and keeping it hot. What does that mean? Because this could go in a really weird direction right now, Justin. Like my kid's sitting right by me. My kid's having to listen to their dad talk about this. Calm down, right? Here's the deal. You have to make sure you keep communication going. Most marriages that break down and shut down, it's because the communication broke down and shut down. And if your communication has broken down, what I can tell you is you are on your way to your relationship breaking down. It doesn't matter how long you've been married, how long you've been at it, or you may be newlyweds. If you are not communicating, you're not keeping the flame on in your relationship. So what do I mean by communication? Because <clears throat> some of us, we're great at talking, but we don't say anything ever, right? Like, man, I can't get a word in elsewise, right? you just like, we, we, we communicate, we talk about our daily life, but we're not talking about life. There's a big difference. Communicating is more than just talking, it's listening and it's asking questions. It's taking an interest in the other person. And how are you communicating? How are you talking? How are you listening? How are you at asking questions? Are you just talking about the easy things? Or are you talking about the hard things? Because here's, what, here's, here's what's true for every marriage, for every relationship. There's going to be great seasons and great moments, and there's going to be hard seasons and hard moments. And if you're not going to be a one-hit wonder, and you're going to finish this race, and you're going to fight the good fight, and you're going to remain faithful, you're going to have to learn to communicate about those hard, difficult times, and those difficult frustrations, and those things you were disappointed about, and not just the good things. How are you at communicating? Because communication keeps the flame on, and it keeps your relationship, it keeps your marriage sizzling. And here it is, guys, here it is, ladies. Shutting down when it comes to communicating can't be an option, right? Shutting down can't be, well, I'm just not gonna talk about it. Well, that doesn't solve anything. You're, you've got to learn to communicate about it. Well, I'm not in a place, I'm ready to talk about it. Okay, but you've got to be willing to engage 
and talk about it. You've got to be willing to engage and talk about the hard things and the difficult things, and there is a time and a place, but you can't continue to ignore it and hope that it just magically gets better because even though Cinderella is down the hallway for a Halloween dress-up today here at Foundation Church, Cinderella's fairy godmother isn't real, right? She's not going to come in and say, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, and your issues are all done. You've got to communicate your way through it. So how are you at communicating? And let me encourage you. First thing is this, learn to have difficult conversations. Learn to have courageous conversations. You gotta learn, you gotta have five seconds of crazy courage to have courageous conversations. Some of you are like, I love courageous conversations. Some of you were a little freak. Um, but um, some of us were like, man, I just, I don't wanna do it. I don't like conflict, I don't like this. And nothing's gonna get better If you don't engage, you're just gonna stay frustrated and the flame's gonna keep dwindling and if you're not careful, you're gonna fizzle out and never come back to where your marriage was supposed to be because communication keeps things healthy. Communication keeps your marriage thriving. And for some of you, it's about having a courageous conversation with your spouse. Second thing is this, is that learn to communicate the good. Like, I think... Guys, we're probably really guilty of this, all the men in here. Well, I've heard guys say this all the time. It makes me laugh. Well, she knows I love her, right? Like, and I don't know why we go all of a sudden country hick all of a sudden. She knows I love her. She's a good one. She's a good heifer, right? Like, she's, she knows I love her, right? Like, hey, hey, it's not good enough to, for her to know you love her, Right? Communicating good thoughts costs you nothing but payoff every time. Communicating good thoughts in your relationship costs you absolutely nothing, but they bring so much value to the other person who is hearing them. So communicate the good. Man, tell her how you feel. Man, tell her how beautiful she is. Tell her how thankful you are for her. Tell her all the things that you admire. Don't just think it. Text it, speak it, email it, say it, but dear God, communicate it somehow. And ladies, tell your man how proud you are of him. I say this almost every time, give him a that a boy. We want it, like we're just putting it out there the whole time. Like, please God, somebody, right? Like, give it. Give me the data boy. Like, it is a great thing. Like, communicate the good because here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue can bring death or life, and those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You will either reap life or death in your relationships, and it's all up to you about what are you communicating because the problem is if we only have courageous conversations but never communicate the good, then we're fizzling and putting a water on the flame. We've got to learn to communicate. Because here's the third thing about making bacon. Making bacon ain't easy. Right? Making bacon mm -mm, ain't easy. There are several different ways that people say you can make bacon, but there's really only one. So let's let's just, I'm going to help some families out today. If you are a bacon baker... And you throw your bacon in the oven. You're like, but Justin, you haven't had my bacon. Chances are I probably never will if you bake your bacon. Um, 
and, and you pull it out, and I, I've had this happen. Nobody can even tell the difference. I baked it in my oven. Oh, yes, they can. They just love you too much to have a courageous conversation right now. Like, <laughs> you need to have a courageous conversation <laughs> with your spouse. Because here's the deal. If you're baking, you're faking, right? Like, don't fake and bake, but fry and thrive, right? If it rhymes, it's true, right? Don't fake and bake, but fry and thrive. The only way to make bacon is in a pan and let it fry in its own juices. Thank you, Lord. He is good and he provides for us, right? Like, but here's the reality. Why do we like to bake it instead of fry it? Why do we like to bake and fake instead of fry and thrive? It's easy, right? You don't get popped. There's not grease everywhere. I got popped in the eye the other day, and I was like, ah, oh, that's it, Casey, that's it. Let's file on our disability insurance, right? Like, I'm like, let's go, I can't do this, right? I mean, it hurts. It smells the whole, all you ladies wanting candles to like make your house smell, just fried bacon, it's what we wanna smell anyways, just do it. Like, oh, that's the best smell ever, bacon, right? And there's only one, one way to do it, and it is messy, and it is not easy, and it gets everywhere, and it costs you some singed arm hairs, but man, is it amazing when you do it right and great relationships that sizzle, that aren't just good for a season, but are great for a lifetime, aren't easy, right? It's, it's not easy, and, 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 and that's the myth I wanna get rid of. It doesn't mean that every day you're like, oh great, I'm married again. That's what I'm talking about. But I'm saying there are seasons where it's hard. And they don't talk about that when you're getting married. I do. I'm like, hey, so there's going to be some moments. It's rough, right? Because up to that point, we're all about the ooey-gooey. But there's some seasons and there's some moments that being married, even to the right person, it's hard. And it's not easy. But if you will own the hard moments and if you will keep doing it right and if you will step in and lean in and be the spouse you're called to be, it may not be easy, but it is always, always worth it in the end. It's always worth it in the end. So men, let me give you some instructions about how the Bible tells us to love our wives. It's found in Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, and it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When Christ loved the church, it cost him his life, right? It was a costly love. He sacrificed for the church over and over and over and over again. It cost him his life, but he loved the church in such a way that he brought out her the best in the church and not the worst. And is the way you are loving your spouse, not on your anniversary, because we all behave on our anniversary, let's just be honest, right? But is the way you're loving your spouse bringing the best out of her, men? Are you loving your wife like Jesus loved the church? Are you giving? Are you sacrificing? Are you providing? Are you loving her without asking anything else back in return? Because that's the way he's called, and this isn't easy. But doing it the right way is very, very rarely the easy way. L ladies, here's your verse, Proverbs 31. I always hear, oh, I just want to be Proverbs 31, lady. Well, here you go. Verse 11 and 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good, 
and not harm all the days of her life. Are, can that be said of you? Are you doing your husband good? The last thing you did, the last thing you said, <laughs> did it do him good? Did it do his self-esteem good? Did it bring him peace or did it bring him total anxiety? I know I've got to be ready for church. I'm going as fast, right? Are, what you, are you doing good? When you talk about your husband to your friends, ladies, are you speaking good of him or are you speaking poorly of him? Because this is the way you're called to live it out. Oh, it may not be easy, but you don't know what he did and how stupid he is. I don't. Because I'm one of them, right? Like I'm, I'm, yes. But as what you are, are you doing and are you living and in your, are you in a relationship that your role is doing him good? It's not easy. But man, it's the right way. When we make bacon at the house, when I'm making bacon, I am the bacon maker, right? Like I am, I'm it. And I have these, these little tongs that I use. And um, when I make bacon, I ask, Casey, how do you like your bacon? Charlie and Chloe. And Charlie and Chloe are a little bit more like me. I like my bacon crispy, not soggy. Like I don't want it to fall over, right? Like I'm like, but, but I understand like Casey likes hers a little less crispy than I do. I'm like, well, that's not the right way, but we can do it your way. Um, and so I don't just say, well, Casey, I'm the bacon maker, and you get what you get, so don't throw a fit, right? That's, that's not a good strategy in life or in bacon. And so when I'm making bacon, I ask Casey, how do you want it? And she tells me, and I try to accommodate her as well as I can, um, and I try to accommodate myself as well. Why? Because I am not the bacon dictator, right? I'm not like, this is the way it is. It's my kitchen, because it's not my kitchen. It's my bacon. It's my pan, and you're going to get what you get. No, 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 no. I want to serve her, because I want her to make my eggs the way I want them made, right? Like, it's a total partnership here. Like, if I do my job right, she does her job right, man, breakfast is amazing. And can I tell you, if you do your job right as a husband and you do your job right as a, as a wife, man, marriage can be amazing. But it's not about a dictatorship, right? It's not about one person having all the control. And hear me, when we're in this pandemic and COVID-19, there's a lot of us that we feel everything's gone out of control and some of us have grasped for control and you are killing your spouse right now because one of you can't just be in control of all the finances. One of you can't be the bacon dictator in the finances of your life, right? It's, a, it's about a partnership. One of you can't be the dictator when it comes to your schedule. It's a, it's a partnership. One of you can't be the dictator when it comes to your sex life, it's a partnership. Oh, Justin, you just went there. Yeah, no, it needs to be said because if this is going to be great, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but there's got to be a partnership and agreement about this. Hear me, when it comes to COVID-19 and all the restrictions, you guys have to figure out what your boundaries and what your restrictions are going to be as a couple, not as one person. You guys have to be a partnership, and that takes work, and that takes communicating. And if we're going to sizzle instead of fizzle, we got to communicate. 
And we got to continue to serve one another and realize that this is we're called to be in a partnership, not a dictatorship, that you aren't the you're not the boss hog, you're not the one running the, the show, but you are in a relationship with one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says this: let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And I want to encourage every married couple in this place to write that verse down. And let this be your memory verse for the week. Let each of you not look to your own interest, but to the interest of others. And I would even put just to the side of that in parentheses, spouse. Not, let me stop for a second. Moms, I can't imagine being a mom. I don't ever want to be a mom. I don't know how you feel the emotions you feel and still function. Like, I, I don't get it. You guys are superheroes. But what I will say is I see so many moms taking great kid care of their kids' interests but not caring at all for their spouse's interests. Dads and men, I see so many of us men, we take care of our friends' interests we take care of our coworkers, our boss interests, but we don't care a lick about serving our spouse's interest. And that can't be. Can't be. So how can you take interest in serving your others? And here it comes. Here's the pushback on this. Well, Justin, they never. All right? Justin, they, the, I, do you know how long it's been since they've taken interest in serving me and taking an interest in what I need. And here's what I can tell you. If you're busy keeping score, you stopped serving a long time ago. Right? If you're busy still keeping score, you stopped serving their interest a long time ago. And marriage is not a place for scorekeeping, but serving one another. I got to keep going. Last thing that, that Bacon teaches you is that you've got to pay attention to the condition. When you got bacon in the pan, Right? You got to pay attention because it's super easy to burn bacon. There's a big difference between crispy and burnt, okay? Like, just like there's a difference between soggy and crispy, crispy and burnt, there is a definite line there. And you got to pay attention. You got to keep flipping it, right? And why do you pay attention? Because what goes in this pan and the bacon that is in there is important to you. You're like, this isn't just something random, this isn't vegetables, this is bacon. This is important, right? And so you pay attention to the condition of how the bacon is and how it's turning out. How are you at paying, paying attention to the condition of your spouse and of your relationship? Because what happens a lot of times is that we stop pursuing our spouse and in, the, in, the, in us stopping pursuing our spouse, we stop paying, a condition, paying attention to the condition of our relationship. And the breakdown didn't happen in our relationship when you become aware of the condition. The breakdown happened when you weren't even aware that the condition was heading that way. Some of us are like, oh, I had no idea. That's not when it happened. It's way back here when the condition was breaking down and you had no idea because you weren't pursuing they weren't in your fourth, the, 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 the thought of your mind. And at some point, we got to do better at keep pursuing one another through our lifetime and not just a season. For all of you with children, man, you got to pursue one another. 
Those, those, those kids, they're awesome. I love my kids. But my kids are going to leave my house one day. Like, they better leave my house one day, right? They are not my ride or die. My wife is my ride or die. And so when my kids leave, the goal is that my spouse would not follow suit, right? <laughs> That's what our goal is here. Like, this is, and so if that is happening, we've got to keep pursuing one another. Check out Song of Songs. In chapter 6, some of you heard it, Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, it says this, where is your beloved gone, most beautiful of women? Which way did your beloved turn that we may look for him with you? How many times have you been asked, hey, where's your spouse? I don't know, right? Like, no clue, right? Not this woman. She knows exactly. My beloved has gone down to his garden to the bed of spices, to browse in the gardens, and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. So she knows exactly, where's your man? Oh, I know where my man is, right? Like she, I know where my man is. Like she knows, where's your, where, where it is the condition of your, oh, I know the condition of my man. I know the condition of my woman, right? Like, I got it. And here's what the man turns and says, and they're in pursuit. You are as beautiful as Terza, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as majestic as troops with banners. Turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. Girl, you got hair as good as a goat. Your, your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing. Your teeth aren't stained. Girl, look at them. You still got white teeth. Each one of them has its twins. Not one of them is missing. You ain't even missing your teeth. Look at you. Smile at me. Woo. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Other translations say this. Your cheeks look like pomegranates, girl, right? Like your cheeks are as big as pomegranates. I like them cheeks, right? They ain't even got acne on them, right? They, like he didn't say your cheeks look like peaches because then I've got to wax and I've got to like laser my face, right? No, no, no. They're in love. This is how they talked back in the day, right? This is the pickup lines. Like, girl, you got teeth like a sheep that ain't missing. Like, you got goat hair, sheep teeth, and pomegranate cheeks, right? Like, try that pickup line, single, see how it works. Um, here, here's what I want us to know. They're in pursuit of one another. Men. We have to do a better job of this. Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. All right? It didn't describe the wife. It didn't describe the attributes. You're like, I don't know about that. Um, if you found a wife, you've got a good thing. And why would you not treat that good thing like a good thing? And we can't get lazy, and we can't get lackadaisical, and we can't forget to pursue our spouse. Because the danger is, if we do, the danger is we fizzle out. As a couple, as a relationship, and I will say this, and man, I've got so many couples that have poured into Casey and I, and they say this, and they say this, and they've got great marriages. Man, as, as the marriage goes, so does the family. 
And your marriage has got to be strong so that your family can be strong. Because parents, you are exhibiting what it looks like to have a healthy marriage of what you want, what kind of marriage you want your kids to have. And if you want your daughter to be pursued the rest of her life, you better show her that you're pursuing her mom the rest of her life. Man, if you want to show your boys what it looks like, what kind of wife they should have, then you better be that kind of wife to your husband. And we've got to make sure that we are still pursuing one another. So let me give homework to you guys today because I think it's really good. We can do relationship uh, uh, sermons and then we don't really come out of it with anything. But let me give all the couples in this place something, some homework to do this week. The first one is this, go on a date this week. And some of you are like, oh, I don't know. Um, No, go on a date. It doesn't mean it has to be long. It can be 45 minutes. It can be that you're going on a walk. It can be that you keep the kids inside and like don't come out. We're going to talk, and here's what I want you to do on your date, right? You're like, oh, so you have two homework assignments. You're that teacher, right? Like, let me give you a homework assignment with another homework assignment. But here it is. I want you to go on this date and start putting on a schedule, because this is a partnership, and men, this rests on you. You're the one that's got to initiate this, man. Like, this is on us, that you initiate setting up two dates, what? I've got to hang out with her twice a month, what? She got goat hair, guys, like all her teeth. Two dates a month. Well, we don't have time. It's amazing how you make time when your marriage is falling apart. And what I can tell you is going on dates is a lot cheaper than a divorce. Well, Justin, it's hard. You're right, it is hard. And I'm gonna challenge you guys to pick your heart. Because you know what? Being in debt's hard, but so is getting out of debt. Pick your heart. Get, being out of shape's hard, but so is getting in shape. Pick your heart. Getting divorced is hard, but having a great marriage is hard. Pick your heart. Because I would much rather pick the hard part of having a great marriage and putting the work in than going through the consequence of having to go through a heartbreaking divorce and fizzling out as a couple. This is it. And we can't just be hearers of the word, but we've got to be doers. So that when we come to the end of this, we can say when it comes to the area of our relationship of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, man, I have fought the good fight. I have run, finished the race, and I remained faithful. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I pray right now for every single person in this place every single person that is watching online today, that you would help us. Lord, that you would help us not to settle. You would help us to be picky because, Lord, this is too important of an area of our life to get it wrong. Lord, I pray for those that are single right now that you give them patience and discernment. Patience and discernment. Right where they are. The Lord, they would realize there's a whole lot worse things than being single. In fact, there's nothing wrong with being single. That don't have a disease, we're not incomplete, but Lord, I pray let us learn to function where we are and let us learn and let us develop what we're looking for in that guy and that girl. Let us be patient and disciplined. 
And Lord, for those of us that are dating and those of us that are engaged, I pray that, that if we're in that place where we're having to excuse who they are already, Lord, it's hard, but we would understand they're not it. You have great things for us. People that are going to be a complement to our life, not a detriment to it. And so, Lord, let us be willing to wait for your best instead of settling for okay. God, I pray for every marriage in this place. For every spouse that is here. Maybe there are spouses that are here that their spouse isn't with them today. That God, you would put it on every man and every woman in this place to stop waiting for their spouse to be the one that they want them to be and we start becoming who you've designed us to be. We would stop keeping score and we would just simply take interest in serving our spouse this week. And that we would initiate all the different challenges, all the different homework that we would put work in because the simple reality is if we're gonna sizzle, it doesn't just happen easily. We gotta work for it. And we gotta try for it. But Lord, I pray that every marriage in this place that we don't just fade off into the distance. That we don't become that couple that other people talk about and that we know that, man, they were so good for so long, but what happened? But Lord, through the rest of our lifetime, we would be great. And our marriage wouldn't fizzle out, but it would continue to sizzle on. And you would help us to be the person, to have the relationship, to have the marriage that we've got to have. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you're here and you say, Justin, where I am today, it's not where I should be. Where I'm at in my relationship with God, I, I, I know there's a change I need to make. And maybe you're here and this is about you making a first-time decision to follow Jesus Christ. Or maybe it's about you recommitting your life to him. But you're here and you know a change needs to happen. Maybe you're watching online and you know the change needs to happen. I'm going to count to three. And all I'm going to invite you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yep. Is there anyone else? You join this one hand that's lifted. Yep. Is there anyone else? You join these two individuals. Is there anyone else? Say, Justin, that's me. Before we go any further in the service, you say, Justin, that is me today. And I know there's a change that needs to happen. And you join these two individuals that have already lifted their hand. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean them from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living. I repent of it. And I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.